0: For a radio. What community sounds like Stay. friends and fellow craft beer drinkers, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and with me, as always, is the homebrew engineer himself, John Ream. John, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm getting readjusted back to the West Coast. Just flew back uh, yesterday as we're recording this. Um, Got to meet my new nephew, so I'm an uncle now.
0: Oh, congratulations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. so, we got a got a another boy in the family. Seems to be that's all we know how to do. That's all you guys um. know how to do.
0: There's no girls.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. My mom's starting to get pissed.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, you guys can try again. You guys are still young. Pop out another one and maybe you'll get a girl.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you're breaking up. I'm having a really hard time <laughs> hearing you over here.
0: All right. Well, I'm glad you're back safe. And... I know that, uh, you know, normally record on a, on a Sunday night, but because you just rolled in, I was not going to make you record after being awake for all those hours trying to get back to your family. So we're, we're recording a little bit different night. But, hey, you know what, John? Let's go ahead and introduce the show before we get started talking about all our fun topics. And in case we have any new listeners, which I know we do, we get new listeners every single episode, and I really appreciate it. And John does too. But in case you are new to Tap the Craft Podcast, we are an educational podcast. And we focus around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to help you along in your craft beer journey. So welcome and uh, enjoy the fun. And you are listening to episode 67. And we're recording on Monday, February thirteenth, two 2017. And in this episode, we are going to review... The BJCP style guidelines for the classic style smoked beer as well as doing a tasting note segment for the Alaskan smoked porter and of course if you are paying attention this is not the beer that we said we were gonna be tasting in our last episode because you know what Bigfoot barley wine is no longer available in our areas literally from the time I said we we're gonna do it till the next week when I tried to find the beer It was all sold out and same in John's area. So we changed it up and we went and got another seasonal offering in the smoked porter or smoked beer category with the smoked porter. So if you are listening to this and you are able to go out right now and find a bottle of Alaskan smoked porter, go out there and grab it and taste along with us. And we have a check it out segment. Yes, we're bringing back the check it out segment this time We're talking about the Growler Chill Kickstarter program going on right now. Find out what this is all about. See if you want to join in and fund this great startup. And, of course, we have a news article. This one is covering uh, bottle downsizing. What are breweries doing? Have you noticed that now when you try to go get a big bottle of your beer, that your favorite beer you like to get, that maybe they don't offer it in the same size or they're kind of scaling down? And offering these big beers in a smaller bottle? Well, find out why when we discuss this news article. And, of course, you can count on John and I talking about all kinds of great beer banter between the two of us. That's what everyone looks forward to is hearing us argue or talk, uh, you know, about beer in our own terms. But, John, before we get into all that great Topic that I just spelled out for everyone. What is in your glass tonight?
1: Yeah. So since I've been away, I had to go back to some homebrew. So I think I might. This might be two in a row that. Yeah. I'm doing homebrew on the same yeah. thing. You're drinking a porter again. Uh, porter this time. I was doing barley wine last
0: time. No, it was porter last time, wasn't it? Was it? But it was barley wine, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And so. Yeah, I'm sticking with porter. and Then a we'll have some smoked porter. Just, oh, just kind of roll together, I guess.
0: I see how you did that. So, you're, you're yeah. Staying... Plus my fridge
1: is empty since I wasn't here.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: okay, all right. But well, uh, okay. how about you? What do you what do you have?
0: So I am drinking a new beer to the full sale session lineup. I found this right after we recorded last, and I bought a case of, or a half case of it, twelve pack of it. It is a full sale session. Black cherry, black lager, and uh, I have to admit that this is a decent beer. It's got it's it's a typical black lager with a little bit of a hint of cherry in the in the finish. Not too strong, not too sweet, Uh, very enjoyable. It goes down very easy. I'm gonna have this thing. You know, I I drink one of these these glasses of uh, this beer pretty fast, but I'm only gonna do one because I've already been primed up. I've already been out and about the town drinking. Some good beers. Uh, so if you hear me slur a little bit this episode, it's because I've been drinking all night long. That's what I got Yeah, yeah. Gosh.
1: Yeah, I saw this one pop up uh, maybe four to six weeks ago oh. in our area. Um, but uh, I could only find the 12 packs of it. Yeah. I wasn't really willing to commit to that. Oh, come on. Um, They didn't have the, any of the sixers of it. Um, So... I passed on it, but maybe I'll maybe I'll circle back.
0: Well, you're not as committed as I am. Uh, I'm not. I, no. Yeah, yeah. I just go for the 12 pack, and even if it's not my favorite, it's still going to be drinkable. And you know, it's very drinkable. I I go with the full sale session lagers, just because it's something that I can have throughout the week and enjoy a beer when I want to just have something easy drinking and not have to worry about. You know, drinking a bunch of seven percent, eight percent beers. It's just nice to pop one of these open and and drink it and get my satisfaction of of my good craft beer. So, yeah. All right, John. So while you were visiting the new addition to your family, uh, d- by any chance, did you get to go do some fun stuff?
1: Uh, so I'm actually going to talk about something I did before I left. Oh, to go.
0: Well, never mind then. New
1: family. Um, And uh, then later on, I'll talk about something I did Hmm. when I was out there. Um, But uh, so the last uh, three years, I think, a group of Washington breweries have put together uh, what's called the Hot Mob. And it it is an event where uh, they all brew uh, triple IPAs. And then for like a week, um, different... Uh, craft beer bars around the Seattle area will host events, pouring you know a bunch of these beers uh, all all the same time, so you can try different ones and and everything like that. And uh, I've never been able to go. We've always oh. had some kind of conflict, or there wasn't one in our area. And the day that we could do it, we would have to drive like an hour to get mm. to one. You know, it has never really worked out. Well, this year. Uh, we had some impromptu babysitting offered and, uh, I convinced Kristen that we should do this instead of going to the movie she wanted to see. <laughs> so, uh, we got to go to the triple IPA hot mob. Um, so we did two flights, uh, each was six beers in them. And, uh, that was all the, uh, ones that they had at this, at this bar. I think there were 48 oh, participating goodness. breweries this year. Um, in this event, um, so the first flight we got was awesome. Um, no bad beers in there in the bunch; they were all great. Second flight, there were two decent beers, one absolutely terrible beer, and then <laughs> uh, some average to above average beers. So we, after we did the second flight, we're like we really should have just on the first flight again oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, I'm not sure this you know these two good ones that we liked were worth the other four that we just had to go through um but uh so I'll give uh some of the ones that I enjoyed uh and one I've i talked about on on here before a long time ago which is the Ruben's Brews uh Blimey That's Bitter mm-hmm. uh, which they do every year um that beer, I, it's one I, I try to get every year, um, and it's not always easy to time their bottle release, uh, you know, when it shows up in your area. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really big, real big citrus, and, you know, it, it is bitter. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it goes by its name, um, but it's still enjoyable to drink. Um you know, which is, is important because as you get into these things, you can go, you know, real out of the way where it's just not enjoyable anymore. Um, but uh, that one was very nice as usual. Uh, and then another is from uh, Schooner Exact, uh, mm-hmm. which is their Evil Tendencies. And this one was just a citrus bomb. Mm. Uh, I gave it five stars, oh, wow. five caps. Um yeah, I this one kind of surprised me. I really enjoyed it, and figured I learned uh, that they had actually won, or were in the top four of voting um, at the kickoff event oh. um, at uh, the Brower's Cafe, where they had thirty some of these beers pouring um, at that event. Uh, but uh, yeah, so good on them. Uh, the Schooner Exact Evil Tendencies was really nice. If you happen to be out in this area, you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another one that I gave five caps to is from uh, Aslan Brewing, and that's their Mega Thrust mm. uh, Triple IPA. And this one is another, you know, citrus was just a theme. Um, everything just had really big citrus notes, but this one had a little hint of uh, pine uh, in the back of it. And, uh, surprisingly, uh, this one was Kristen's favorite and Mm. she doesn't usually like when the pine pine gets involved. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I was surprised about that, but this beer was really well put together. Uh, and like I said, another five capper for me, um, which was, it was just really good. Um, so uh, then the last one I'll mention, uh, which got bonus points for the name. Yes. Uh, um, is from Cloudburst Brewing, uh, which has just been doing great stuff. I've, I believe I've started mentioning them with more frequency on here. Uh, they've only been open maybe less than two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I it's a place I, I haven't frequented as often, but I also haven't had anything from them that's – been bad yet mm-hmm. you know everything i've had is good um and this is their uh swedish prison orgy yes um which you just have to try you know <laughs> and if this is what that tastes like then i'm all for know, it count me in yeah uh but yeah it's just a, another night very nice um you know big citrus and and everything you know it, we did wonder as we were going through our first flight of are we really telling the difference in these things are they all (laughs) tasting the same and then we got to the second flight was like oh no yeah we're we're okay (laughs) you know it's not just that they're all really big you know we we can tell when something's good or not yeah so um but yeah this one was uh was very enjoyable as well so um yeah i i'm happy we were able to get to this thing and uh you know, it's sad that we missed it for the first couple of years, but this event's been growing and growing. So next year we'll probably have you know eighty eighty breweries <laughs> yeah. involved and yeah. It'll stretch out over two or three
0: weeks, you know, for the event and and all that. But yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. So. That sounds awesome. And triple IPAs are I mean, they're becoming more notable of late. I mean, to have that many breweries all brewing up a triple IPA is amazing. And I'm glad that you were able to find, you know, at least half of the 12 you drank. Oh, excuse me. I'm already burping up my beer. At least half of the 12 you drank to be really superb. And I think you've given more five caps in this one little section than you have all of last year. So that says a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think I tied. I think I had two last year, and I gave two in this event. And I've already commented earlier that I've given out ones already this year. So, yeah, yeah, I'm living up to that uh, uh, resolution of, you know, not being a dick.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Good job. Good
1: job. Yes. Yeah, so how about you?
0: What have you, what were you up to while uh, I was out? Well, you know what? I did have an outing, and it was just this weekend on Saturday. I took my wife to Meriwether Cider, and they had a cheese, chocolate, and cider pairing, and it was fantastic. We had a great time. Now, of course, we went with some friends. It's always great when you go with with your friends. Uh, and and my poor wife, she couldn't partake in in the cheese or the, the chocolate aspect of the tasting, but I did fill her full of cider. So at least she got to drink a lot of cider. That's the, that's the key. But yeah. I, yeah, that'll make up for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but, you know, we went and, and I wanted to try it out because, you know, I've gone to uh, beer tastings, but I've never been to a cider tasting, and I want to see how they would pair cheese and chocolates to the cider. Now, they started off with the cheese, plate there is three uh, servings of cheese different cheeses with three ciders that were paired with them and I'm going to just talk about each of these the first cheese was a goat cheese rolled in pistachio uh, pistachio uh, nuts uh, like diced up and it was paired with a semi semi dry cider and I'll tell you what this was my favorite cheese and pairing of the cider and cheese Uh, that semi dry Uh, went really well with that goat cheese and again most these cheeses are going to be dry so i i don't know i would have thought maybe some sweeter stuff would have uh complemented the dry cheese but this dry cider semi-dry cider actually did pretty good of pulling out the flavors uh, in that cheese and i really liked that one a lot Uh, the second cheese was a wensleydale which is i think a like a british cheese uh, with cranberries and it was paired with strawberries and cream on nitro. And this is a brand-new cider they just released. Uh, they, they tapped it for this event. A uh, cider on nitro? Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever seen that before. I've never seen it before. I've never had a cider on nitro. And I was curious to find out how it paired at just with the nitrogen. Because, you know, I don't like nitrogen-charged beer that much. Unless it's a good cream ale. Uh, Everything else kind of you know takes away the flavor. I'll tell you what it worked beautifully with this cider the strawberry flavor came across but it wasn't overly sweet and uh, The you know the cream kind of made it creamy and the nitrogen just made it even smoother with a nice smooth finish Uh, Really a very nice cider. I gave that cider a five cap rating and untapped and that's nice. that wasn't just from the tasters that i'll talk about i actually had i liked it so much i had a, f- a pint of it and the five is coming from the pint that i had because i thought the pint it, it really opened up with that nitrogen it, it had a, a much more flavor or you know, i enjoyed it more with the full pint than i did with the little samples because i think when you're pouring little samples of it you know four ounce samples you can't really get it you know as much out of that little sample than you can from a full pint. But I thought that this cheese with that pairing went really well together. The, the cranberries and the strawberries in a cider, uh, really complemented each other well with the, the cheese. And then the last one was the one that I, uh, I, I, didn't like the cheese much, although I ate half the cheese by itself, but I it really did not like the pairing. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It was called the no woman cheese and this was a like a kind of a, a dry cheddar, white cheddar with a Jamaican jerk seasoning, and it was paired with a ginger root cider. Now the ginger root cider I love, I, I drink the ginger root cider from Merryweather all the time. I love the cider, but here's the deal with the pairing: that cheese with those seasonings was already strong enough where it kind of left a burning uh, feel in your in your esophagus when you ate it guess what? You mix that ginger root cider with that cheese, it felt like I was getting like acid uh, reflux in my throat. It literally instantly burned my throat and was not pleasant whatsoever. Uh, probably the worst pairing that I've had yet. Um, yeah, that was my thought when you
1: mentioned the two things. Those can both be very strong and aggressive flavors. Yeah, yeah, you know, I haven't had and- their ginger root cider, but... Uh, you know, ginger can be very dominating. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's yeah. So it didn't work. Honestly, it did not work. Um, I again, I wasn't a fan of the cheese, but I did eat half the cheese by itself. But every time I tried to mix it with the cider, it—I mean, it really turned negative. I wasn't the only one that felt that way. There was other people in my group that had a similar feeling that to me. So I—I I felt redemption that I wasn't just overreacting to that. <laughs> So now, let me move into the pairings that were superb. Every one of these pairings were over-the-top, fantastic, uh, really went well with each other. Now with the chocolate pairing. Now we have a local chocolate bar right here in town. It's called the Chocolate Bar. They make their chocolate fresh, uh, homemade, very good quality chocolate that I, I would put it up against uh, European chocolates. It's really, really good. And they had three chocolate offerings, and the first one was uh, a dark chocolate with orange and cranberry and it was also paired with the strawberries and cream on nitro cider. Again, the orange and the cranberries with that dark bittersweet chocolate and that strawberries and cream nitro perfect pairing. It went so well together. I, I can't tell you that they, I mean they matched that perfect. I, I think that this, this matching was even better than the cheese matching on this beer. Uh, and I wish that everyone had an opportunity to try that. Uh, this this offering was, uh, this, this tasting was going on from noon to 6. It was sold out by 3 o'clock. So if you didn't get there early, you didn't get a chance to taste any of these uh, pairings. So we, we we got there at 1. The place was packed. We were standing up in a corner trying to do our tasting and our cheese. And then finally, we got a table in the back that was we got to, to stand around and, and wasn't so crowded, but, uh, it was, it was a really popular event. Uh, and again, the chocolates were fantastic. So the second uh, tasting was with the milk chocolate with nutmeg. And so it was milk chocolate, um, chocolate with nutmeg in, inside it, a really good chocolate by itself. Mix it with that ginger root. Perfect. That ginger root flavoring, that spicy ginger root flavoring with that nutmeg and that milk chocolate the sweetness of the milk chocolate and the nutmeg and the ginger root went really well together another perfect pairing uh, I, again this pairing went way better than that that other uh, Jamaican jerk cheese uh, thing that wasn't that wasn't too good yeah anyway, well milk
1: chocolate will help soften yeah. you know whatever it's with as well
0: yeah so i think they did a lot more i think they did a lot more thought put into the chocolate pairings for sure and the last one uh, was probably my favorite of the three chocolates with the with the um, cider. This was a lemon lavender white chocolate with almonds and it was paired with the hop shot cider. So it was a, a fresh hop cider along with that lemon lavender white chocolate went perfect. That lemon played off you know that lemon lavender flavor played off with of that hoppy citrus flavor perfectly. And again, a uh, fantastic pairing uh, was meant I mean it was meant for each other. Those two pairings were absolutely meant to go together. And uh, I just raised my glass to Merryweather and the chocolate bar for for really doing a fantastic job pairing up these chocolates and cider.
1: Nice. That Yeah, that sounds like a really fun event. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I kind of I kind of that you could have you and Kristen could have joined us. I think you guys both would have enjoyed it, just knowing that uh you know you guys enjoy a good food pairing, and this is something you know unique, you know cider and chocolate and cider and cheese,
1: yeah, yeah, I think we would have we would have enjoyed that
0: yeah, okay, John. so are there any noteworthy beers that you had the last couple of weeks that you want to share with our listeners?
1: yeah, so uh part of my trip back i uh was able to swing down South and check out what's been going on in Cincinnati since I left uh, school there. <laughs> and, you know, now there's all kinds of great stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, first one I'll mention is from uh, urban artifact, uh, which does mostly sour wild ales. Um, maybe all sour and wild ales. Uh, and, uh, the one I'm going to mention is a caravari, uh, which is a sour ale that's made with mangoes and limes and, uh, a yeast that just throws off, um, a lot of tropical notes. And, uh, this one, um, you know, it, it had that nice little tartness. It was, uh, very tropical. So the, that kind of, you know, even though it it had a, you know, a substantial tartness that the tropical note, you know, softened it. It kind of played together, you know, and uh, I really enjoyed that beer. And I went through it a lot faster than I would have preferred. Like this is something I would have enjoyed to just sit and then sip on. Uh, But it's, it's only 6%. So, you know, it's easy to, I could probably have, you know, (laughs) I <laughs> feel still being enjoying myself. Yeah. And I gave it five caps.
0: Whoa. So, Holy yeah, know.
1: Hoes. Um Yeah, I, I that was one I really enjoyed. Um, and uh, I think they're doing some really good stuff uh, over there. Um cause I had another beer that I
0: really enjoyed there, uh, uh, Goza. Okay that they had that was really nice. So so Urban Artifact is a Cincinnati brewery or is it around that area? Was it,
1: uh, it is a Cincinnati brewery. Okay. It's, uh, actually on an old church grounds. Like they bought oh. this old church grounds that they're slowly, uh, renovating and, and doing all kinds of stuff with. So, okay. Okay. Um, uh, so then my next two are also Cincinnati, uh, beers and, uh, they're both from mad tree. Uh, okay Brewing company, so uh Matri just finished a big expansion um and just opened up the tap room uh at their new location. I guess they're still working on the brewery portion that they're hoping is gonna be a- operational uh I think they were saying in June time mm-hmm. frame okay um but the the tap room just opened, they've got a big wood fire pizza thing on one side that you can uh order from and Uh, it's enormous. They've got, uh, 32 taps, uh, inside and outside at the, in this huge courtyard. And, um, it it was, uh, really, a really cool space. Uh, and it was, uh, just off, uh, 71. So it was already on my way back home. Mm, (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) very convenient for me now. Um, uh but the beer I'll mention is uh was called Hinges, which is part of their brewer series. Uh and uh, it was a Saison um that was just very well put together and very drinkable. Um you know, it it didn't have uh you know, some of that sharp pepper and and thing that you can get from some Saisons. Uh but it still had, you know, some nice complexity to it while still Being easy to drink, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I I really, I really liked that one. Um, That was that was very nice. Um, And then uh, on recommendation uh, from a friend of the show, uh, Devious Mister Matt Mm -hmm. um, from the Forty Cast, I also uh, grabbed a pint of their Rubis Cacao. Oh. There, uh, which is a stout with cocoa nibs and raspberries.
0: Oh, nice. um,
1: Which was really, really well done. Um, Nice little bit of chocolate, very nice raspberry character throughout. Um, I think it's their winter seasonal or or one of their winter beers that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's a year-round thing, but they... They had it then, um, and uh, I was very thankful for that because it was very nice beer. Um, so uh, I think I'll uh, be looking to get more Mad Tree when I'm when I'm back, you know, because <laughs> they're when I'm back in Ohio because they're uh, gonna obviously be pumping out a whole bunch of beer in this yeah. huge brewery they're building. I'd hope anyway. It's like an aircraft hangar, yeah, that they're going into, so.
0: Yeah, I hear I hear great things about Mad Tree. It's one of the breweries I for sure want to visit when I make my trip to Cincinnati to visit my buddy Matt there, and uh, I'm looking forward to trying Mad Tree. And now, if if they are opening this big giant brewery, that yeah, they're going to be producing a lot of beer to travel around the Ohio area. So I guess everyone will be able to enjoy the beer.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think their goal is to start getting into the states around Ohio too. So, Like Idaho? Yeah, you know, <laughs> those neighboring states like Idaho.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. So how about you? What are, what are your noteworthy All right. beers? So um, it was going to be a short list up until the last couple days when I found some really great beers. So I have three beers on my list. The first one is one that John talked about in the last episode. I hadn't had it yet. He said, Denny, if this comes to your area, you have to have it. And it was the Fremont Brewing Lush IPA. Guess what? The next day, I went out and I found it, grabbed a 22-ounce bottle, and drank it and fell in love with it. In fact, gave it a five-cap rating. I fell in love with it so much. Not only did I... Enjoy that bottle. I bought a six-pack of cans so I can enjoy it in the cans. And not only that, but I was out for a work event tonight, and they had it on draft. And guess what? I had it on draft, and it's even good on draft. This beer is a fantastic, juicy IPA. Great, great flavor in this IPA. I Really, really enjoyed it. And thank you, John, for recommending it. And not only... Did you recommend it to me, but be off, based off of your recommendation, I recommended it to my friends before I even tried it, and they even enjoyed it. And then tonight, after I already enjoyed quite a few of these, um, the people around my table, I said, hey, if you like IPAs, you've got to try this. They all enjoyed it too. So it was a hit across the board.
1: I'm glad everybody's liking it. Yeah, I actually had some more of this today as well. Um, Kristen picked up a, a bomber of it, so we oh, had that nice. uh, tonight. So, um, yeah, that's just it's a great beer, and uh, I'm really happy that it's t- getting out to more areas now, yeah, are increasing their footprint. So,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. So, if you can get Fremont Lush. Spring seasonal IPA, <laughs> go out yeah. and get it. <laughs> it's a good one. All right, now I'm going to talk about a beer that surprised me. And uh, it's a series of beers that Rogue L's has put out, IPAs, and it's been a, a variety of different of, of number of hops. So they've had a four hop, a five hop, a six hop, seven hop, eight hop. I had had the four, five, six, and eight hop varieties, I think that's what they were. And they were okay. Nothing special. I mean, some were a little bit better than others, but nothing that I said that I just had to go out and get. And then on Friday, I tried the 7-hop version, 7-hop IPA from Rogue, and I found the magic Rogue IPA that just hit, <laughs> hit everything that I was looking for at that time. A completely different IPA. Right now, the IPA trend for all the IPAs is tropical-flavored IPAs, and I enjoy it. I, don't get me wrong. I love the tropical flavor. This one is not tropical. It uh, the whatever's, Whatever uh, seven hops that they mix into this uh, thing, uh, it turned out really well, and a, a great flavor that is different from the tropical fruit flavor I've been getting lately, and I really enjoyed it, and... I'm not a, I mean, when you, when I hear there's more than like one, like three hops in a beer, I tend to to think that, okay, this beer is going to be a muddled mess of different hop flavors. So I'm not a big fan of just throwing in a bunch of hops. Um, I think this one, they really did a good job. And it's, it's not a muddled mess of, of hop flavors. It actually has some delicate flavors in there that kind of showcase that, that these hops they put in there are actually special, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, I'm going to recommend a Rogel's 7-Hop IPA for you guys out there.
1: Yeah, and I think the these beers in this series, I think the hops are all from their farms, aren't yeah. they?
0: Yeah, yep. They're all so. from farms in Oregon, and they have farms throughout the Oregon region. In fact, I think I read on this can that some of the hops came straight from a hop farm right where I used to live in Oregon, in the uh, Independence Area of Oregon, which is a small little town in the hills where, where I grew up. So I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't even know that they had hop farms in that area. In fact, I'm sure they did not have harp, hop, hop farms there when I lived there. I think they they recently put hop farms in that area. So um, it's good to see that, that there's some good hops coming out of there. All right, so the last beer I'm going to talk about is, again, another beer I had on Friday. So, again, I wasn't going to come with much but one beer until this weekend. And this is from a great brewery in Oregon, Barley Browns Brewing, out of Baker City, Oregon. And I've, I, I've uh, mentioned these guys many times before, how they make great beer. And I'm telling you what, another fantastic beer. This one's called the sled wreck festive ale it's a it's a strong ale and this strong ale was fantastic it just had some great flavor um, completely different than what you'd get out of an arrogant bastard it wasn't overly bitter uh, it had a good balance between the malt and the bitterness but it did have a big malt flavor in there and a nice hoppy finish but it wasn't overly bitter or overly overly aggressive Just a very, very well-done strong ale. And I recommend if you guys can get Barley Brown's, grab this Sled Wreck Festive Ale. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, I I think I've been starting to see
1: Barley Brown's leak up into Washington and up into our area from time to time. But uh, it's always when I see somebody, oh, we're putting it on,
0: and I'm not at that You're not there. Yeah. 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 I, every new Barley Browns that comes to Boise, I drink. I, I really, I really enjoy their stuff. All right. Well, John, um, guess what? I don't know about you, but I have been swarmed with so much feedback, interaction on social media the last two weeks. This has probably been the most interaction that we've gotten through all of our different medias. Uh, I mean, from email to Twitter to Facebook to uh, Untapped, even. I mean, I got so much feedback on Untapped from our podcast. Uh, there's a ton of feedback. Guess what? I, we can't talk about it all. But, John, let's go ahead and talk about some of the feedback that we got from our last episode. And the first one I want to read is from James Capper. He emailed us, and he is from the UK. Yes. We have another British fan of the show, which is fantastic. He said, I just want to say I'm a brand new subscriber to your podcast, and it is fantastic. I wish you could sample some fantastic beers from the UK and speak eloquently about them because we really have some great offerings, some new and some that have stood the test of time. He says uh, that he's from – now, I'm going to pronounce this correctly – Derbyshire, uh, and it's and it's it's spelt Derbyshire, but he's it's pronounced Derbyshire, uh, and not like the demolition derby. Ha ha ha! He says. So uh, he also says that that's the, considered the real capital of England. I don't know if that's true. I I, I ran that across my uh, my UK buddy from Coventry, and he says that's hogwash. Uh, but you know what, James? Oh, I thought he was
1: saying it was the real ale capital, like. The uh, real L movement that we were talking about oh. a few
0: episodes ago. Maybe not. Maybe You know what? He does have A-L in there. Maybe he forgot the E. Maybe it is the real L capital. Well, James, if is is it the real L capital? If it is, that's where I need to visit because I want, I want to make sure I come visit the real L capital.
1: So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So our next one comes from uh, Tom Byrne. Uh, He commented on Facebook. He said, uh, right down my alley with the metal band beers. Uh, Pelican is an awesome instrumental band. Check them out. And the Mastodon slash Three Floyds also released a barrel-aged coffee stout a couple months ago. He said, another metal-themed brewery that is up and coming in Denver is true, making awesome sours. So cheers, guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There we go. More... Rock and metal themed bands that uh, we never heard of, but that's okay because Mike Mahoney, who is the one that's, that, that really motivated me to do this that whole segment, he commented on Twitter. He says, Voivod is an eclectic, <laughs> not electric, eclectic metal band. He says, Newstead joined them after Metallica. He says, "Listening to you guys talk about bands I listen to and not know them is hilarious. I know, I know it's hilarious. I felt like an idiot because most of those bands I never heard of. And John, you yeah, like, he never heard I of was either. Like, <laughs> we're probably screwing up a whole bunch of things right now. <laughs> yeah, but but we got a ton of feedback that's not even mentioned that we're not going to mention about different people commenting on the different bands." that uh that we mentioned about what the music they do and and what they you know all that kind of com- you know stuff, so I thought that was pretty cool that that there's so many metal heads out there that actually know uh a little bit about what John and I don't know, so maybe we, next time we do a metal band themed show, we bring them on so they can talk about the bands,
1: yeah definitely
0: uh so Tim
1: price uh comment on twitter uh, listening to episode sixty six Glad I had the same experience with Lagunitas High Westified Coffee Stout. No coffee and quite boozy. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, we're getting a theme going here. <laughs>
0: yeah, we got we got a theme, and you know what? I, I'm just going to make a comment real quick. Is that you know Lagunitas has been my favorite brewery, like my favorite all time brewery for a long time. I hate to say it, John. Um, I think I'm I'm going to have to change favorite breweries. I, Lagunitas. I mean, they still put out good beer, but I don't know. I think they're falling behind. There's so many other breweries out there that are really making some solid beers. I think Lagunitas need to step up their game in my book. What do you think?
1: Um, I don't know. I think this one was a miss in terms of how it's described um, and and all that. But, um. Uh, think that i've only been disappointed by one other beer from them um and that was that really uh well because of the way i poured it um pulpy uh citronesis <laughs> you know uh, that one i but, like that uh, one I, though <laughs> I, I know but see that you like that one so i yeah you know, i don't know that they're overall slipping i think it might just be recency bias but okay uh,
0: okay yeah I'll go with that because I don't want to give up on them because I still love I still love them. So you're just you're just waiting until Rubens Brews
1: uh, distributes to your area so oh, you can yeah. switch to that for That's sure. That, I mean, <laughs>
0: if Rubens Brews comes to my area, I will have a new favorite brewery right away because I already love them. They're already my favorite Washington brewery. So if they come to Idaho, they might be my all time favorite. So yeah, and
1: Laguniz is going to be a Washington brewery soon. That's true. That's true. Yeah, they, they've opened their tap room, but they're not brewing there yet.
0: So. Okay. okay. Well, go visit it. And let us know if, if it's better on tap. Yeah,
1: well, I'll have to do that. Okay. Um, all right. And finally, uh, Chad Lamasa on Untapped uh, commented on uh, uh, <laughs> Denny's comment. <laughs> <laughs> the rogue uh, Hazelutely Choctabulous uh, said, hope you enjoy it. Uh, love the podcast, by the way. I've been... Binging it. So I finished episode 31 today. It's funny because I heard you guys talking about the mixed beer drinks and uh, said to mix these. Then I saw this bottle and didn't need to. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah. I think we mentioned back then that, yeah, when we would go to the rogue, you know, public houses, uh, mixing up the Snickers beer, which is that uh, mixture of the hazelnut brown with the chocolate stout is. What my wife would get mm-hmm. every single time. Oh, yeah. it didn't matter. Like they could have some new awesome thing. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't care. I want that blend. Um, so, have, uh, and have, she she enjoyed the blend. So
0: did she? Have you guys tried the actual official blend in the bottle yet?
1: Yes, she liked it. I was not as big of a fan. Okay. Um, I think it needs to. So I think the the blend they bottled is sixty percent hazelnut, brown and forty percent the chocolate stout. Uh huh. I think it needs to be more 50-50 or flip the other way. It was too strong on the hazelnut okay. for my
0: preference. Okay. Yeah, I have but. a bottle in my fridge waiting to drink, so maybe this week I will pop that open and try it for myself. Yeah, good. All right, now we have some listener questions. The first question comes from Kevin Arguer. Uh He asked on Twitter, what is the acceptable amount of beer drank to qualify for a check-in on un, on untapped. Uh, so uh, that's a good question. I kind of I kind of gave him on on Twitter. I gave him my two cents and and so the way I do it is I typically don't log anything unless I get I have at least a four ounce pour of it. And most of my check-ins are from full glasses or bombers or twelve ounce bottles. But um, you know my my personal thing is if I take a sip, I'm not gonna log it if i I need to have at least four ounces of it what What is your take on it, John? What are you willing to log if are you willing to log just a sip or two or do you need to have a specific amount so uh my feeling is if
1: I've had enough of the beer to feel like I can be comfortable with uh you know the experience that that beer has to offer I'll say um you know that is usually at least a a taster pour. You know, like the four to five ounce pours. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, when you're chasing someone in uniques, uh, that could be as much as a sip. You,
0: know, you never know. The truth comes out.
1: Yeah. No. No. I I I don't think I've done that more than a handful of times. Um, and that was more in a situation where, you know, we've got this beer that's super expensive or yeah. is very limited and everybody is passed around and everybody gets, you know, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the uh, uh, Sam Adams Utopias that I got to have at the homebrew mm-hmm. Club meeting. Like everybody got like a <laughs> tiny, tiny little amount. Thim- thimble amount. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to wait until I buy the $200, you know, thing to to lock it. So. Okay,
0: I'll buy that. Um, I'll buy
1: that. But you know, I have friends that's are very much. If it's not a pint, it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's personal for everybody. And that thing about it is, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if you have enough to put it up there, and you know, give an informed de- decision for you and your friends when everybody looks at it, good. That's okay. enough. All
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, it is really personal preference. So whatever you feel comfortable with checking in, uh you won't be judged by John and I. We don't care if you log in with a sip, hey, more power to you. As long as you accurately uh describe it and give your exact uh you know, what you liked and disliked about it, then we're okay. <laughs> yeah, minimum of three taste and aroma descriptors. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah don't, don't, don't cheese out and not give a good uh, description. That, that's where we draw a line. If you just check into it without even giving anything, then we're going to say you didn't have enough. So. Yeah, so don't look at my timeline because I have a lot of those lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he also mentioned on Twitter, he says, samplers for everyone with a little palate cleanser. Thanks for the advice. So he's just commenting on our advice on how to uh, develop his palate from the last episode. And he did have a lot of uh, uh, palate cleansers and a nice uh, collection of samplers for everyone to try. So that, that was nice.
1: And then uh, buddy Jason Lacey uh, from over at opposed and Battle of the Beer uh, sent in an email. Said, "Cheers to my favorite ca- craft beer podcast featuring uh, Denny and John." It's a "Rocking start to my Friday with a little System of a Down in the intro." Still, uh, should have been should have <laughs> been Hanson. Just saying, um, that's uh, my own personal opinion. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he continues. Uh, all right, after a recent filming of Battle of the Beer, we relaxed with Mac Wizard by the Brewery Vivant, a uh, Grand Rapids brewery. A Belgian quad. So, based on that style alone, I expected glorious things. Unfortunately, for me and my palate, this is one of the worst beers I've had in a while. How do you learn to enjoy peat? Uh, that's all I could taste in this beer. And to me, it tasted like I was drinking a Slim Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I uh, said, So far, my most hated uh, beer flavorings, peat and blackened smokiness. Uh, what's the secret? Uh, I go to you, my craft beer gurus. He so says, Keep on drinking on. Jason. P.S. Shameless plug for Battle of Beer and Flux Pose, of course, which Mm -hmm. I already did, but (laughs) we'll do it again. (laughs) Um, yeah. uh, Pete
0: sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't wait. It doesn't suck completely. No, it does completely. Well, I mean, I don't know. In a scotch ale, a little bit of Pete is okay. (laughs) You don't like it at all?
1: No, No, I, I think Pete is a very distinct character i think uh i would prefer some smokiness in there uh -hmm. but there's lots of ways to impart smokiness without peat malt okay Okay. um and you know i had sent him we we both sent him information and that you know i've heard a lot of interviews with brewers that say the right amount of peat malt is whatever wafts into the kettle (laughs) as you're throwing away the peat malt um you know it's something that's just very overbearing um very aggressive and i'm not sh- i don't think i can honestly say i've had something where peat malt was done well Good. yeah um you know and in terms of just developing it uh you know for if you wanted to have the smoke smoky beers it's really just keep trying them uh, i don't really Try like smoky beers are not something I try to ever uh, teach people um, or you know try to help develop people with mm-hmm. really because smoke is so divisive in food and beer. You know, a, a small amount of smoke, some people say there's no smoke in this, and other people are like, oh my gosh, all yeah. I can taste is smoke. Yeah, and you know, it's just something that uh, it's it's a it's actually a phenolic character. Um, we've talked about phenols before. Smokiness is actually a a phenol, um, that gives you that, that character. Um, and, uh, you know, for some reason, our, our personal thresholds are just all over the map. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, uh, not a gradual scale, like pretty much everything else. It's, it's almost like a on off type thing. Um, so you know, I've had beers made with one hundred percent smoke malt that don't taste that smoky mm-hmm. and are very mm-hmm. easy to drink, and I've had beers that are ten percent smoke malt that it tastes like I'm chewing on a campfire, <laughs> like, and it's just disgusting. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I'm not sure there's an easy way because uh, you know you look at German, you know, Rauch beer, which mm-hmm. is traditionally. You know, majority or all smoke malt, mm-hmm. and you'd think, well, that's something to stay away from. But those are some of the most enjoyable beers I've ever had yeah. um, with yeah. smoking them. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. What are your thoughts? I agree. I agree. I am not a huge fan of smoked beers, but there are on occasion some of them that are done really well. And you're right. I've had some German rock beer that a Rauch beer that was really good, and I've had some. Uh, Scottish ales that also have that smoky flavor that really enhances it and really makes it over the top and Guess what? Jason? We're doing smoked beer on the show tonight To help you learn more about some other options for smoked beer and this Alaskan smoked porter now We haven't drank it tonight, but I've had it many times before definitely from a guy that doesn't like smoked beer one of my favorite smoked beers of all time. It is done. Now, of course I say this and we're going to drink it tonight. And if it doesn't live up to my previous examples, <laughs> I'm going to be really pissed, but it is, it is the one smoked beer that I think is fantastic that I think everyone can enjoy. So stay tuned, listen on. And if you like what John and I have to hear or say later on in the show, go pick up the Alaska smoked Porter And try that one. I think you might find it more enjoyable. All right, John, that was pretty good uh, feedback and questions. And I want to thank all of our listeners who were active this last couple weeks on social media. And if you want to be active with social media or just make a comment to the show, you can do that. Just like all these listeners did, you can reach us through email at tap the at gmail.com or on Twitter just follow us at tap the craft and leave your comments and of course you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tap the craft ton of of uh, interaction on all three of those fronts and on untapped too if you follow John and I on, on untapped um, you know there's a lot of conversation and uh, commenting going on there too I, it's amazing that uh, you know I've, I've had two Two people on Untapped hit us up in a comment saying they love the show uh, out of the blue. So that's pretty cool. Really appreciate that. Well, guess what time it is. It's time to thank Open Forum Radio Network because without them, you wouldn't have a show because they provide our hosting space. We want to thank OpenForumRadio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we believe you will find more great content from some of the other great shows like The Following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts,
2: check out com. We house such podcasts as Openform Radio proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husband's Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave
0: these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right, now it's time for the Brew Bus segment, which is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer topics. And this week, as we already mentioned, we are going to discuss the classic-style smoked beers. And uh, the smoked beer is part of the smoke. Again, we're using this out of the BC. Oh,
1: you got it right earlier.
0: (laughs) The the BJCP 2015 (laughs) style guidelines. And it's uh, part of the smoked beer category. And this category contains specialty beers that have a smoked character. And, of course, we are going to do the subcategory of the classic style smoked beer. That's the style that we are going to be discussing. So, first off. The overall impression of a smoked, a classic style smoked beer is going to have a smoke-enhanced beer showing good balance between the smoke and the beer character while remaining pleasant to drink. That's the key, right? You want to have that smoke character, but you also want to have the beer character in there, and you want it to be pleasant. You don't want to be gross, like what Jason talked about earlier, where that, that peat flavor was just way too aggressive and made the beer not taste good. Also, we want to have a balance in the use of smokes, hops, and malt character, which is exhibited by the better examples of smoked beer. So you want to make sure you have a good balance between the three main flavors in there. So, John, what do we expect in the aroma of a smoked beer?
1: Yeah, so aroma uh, should be a pleasant balance between the expected aroma of the base beer and the smokiness imparted by the use of smoke malts um and you know this is another one of those styles we talked about where we're gonna be a lot more generic mm-hmm. <laughs> because this can be uh, <laughs> anything you yeah. know you could have a smoked up to a smoked stout yeah. so yeah um could be uh, very different so, the intensity and the character of the smoke and the base beer uh style can vary uh with either being prominent you know up front uh you know if you have a stout you might have a stronger smoke a colch, not so much smoke mm-hmm. you know uh it's gonna be very uh very different um so the smokiness uh can vary from low to assertive uh however, as we keep saying, balance is uh going to be the key mm-hmm. in, the, in the well-made examples um so quality and secondary characteristics of the smoke are reflective of the source of the smoke uh so different woods uh alder oak beechwood um <clears> there <throat> are just a couple I, I know there are some cherry yeah. uh, smoke malts out there yeah,
0: cherry is a big um, one I
1: and mean, it's pretty much anything you any wood that you use to smoke the malt you can impart that character mm-hmm. um But the sharp, phenolic, harsh, rubbery, or burnt uh, smoke drive aromatics are inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody likes that.
0: Yeah, nobody does like that. And I've had some pretty sharp smoke flavors that just aren't good. They aren't good. So I I agree. The balance is, is everything. All right. So now, moving into the appearance, the appearance should reflect, again... It's going to be whatever the base beer style is. It's going to, I mean, so it's going to vary. If you're going to have a stout, it's going to, or a porter, it's going to be, you know, dark. And if you're going to have a Kolsch or a lager or a scotch ale, well, scotch might be a little bit me- medium, but you know, be a little lighter. So it all depends on the style. And 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 I've had all kinds of smoked beers. I mean, even a smoked blonde ale. And if it's done in the right way, it's it's pretty tasty. So. So just keep in mind that the appearance is going to vary. And since the appearance is such a small little amount, I'm going to go ahead and go right into flavor and give John a, a break. Oh, such a gentleman. Yeah. From talking, <laughs> you know, he talked about the aroma, but guess what? A lot of the stuff he already talked about in aroma will be the same in the flavor. So as with the aroma, there should be a balance between the smokiness and, of course, the expected flavor characteristics of the base beer. You want to make sure that that base beer comes out in the flavor somehow, not just all smoke you want to have whatever the base is, you're going to have that flavor too. That's the key. The smokiness may vary, again, from low to assertive, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. And your f- flavors can range from woody to somewhat bacon-like, depending on the type of malt you use. And uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, bacon-like sounds great uh, in reality. Uh, not so great in beers, I don't think. I've You know, I've had a bacon-maples... Donut stout from uh, or whatever it was from from Rogue, and I'll tell you what that smokiness uh, was not good. Of course, I don't think they really use smoke malt in that. I think they use some kind of uh, imitation smoke. So I guess that made it worse off. But but yeah, that bacon smokiness was not uh, yeah, kind of turned my stomach a little bit actually. So. Yeah, the the bacon
1: uh, characters like that uh, was a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. Uh, <laughs> A few years ago, the, the home brewer, like, dunking bacon in his beer, or fermenting yeah, it on bacon. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, no, no, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah, and the balance of the underlying beer characteristics and the smoke can vary, although the resulting blend should be somewhat balanced and enjoyable. Again, the key is balance and enjoyable. And I think that's that's what people enjoy, right? They, they don't want to have one thing or another. Um, One thing to keep in mind, that the smoke can also add a dryness to the finish. So it could make the beer come out a little drier than it it should be. So just keep that in mind. And harsh, bitter, burnt, charred, rubbery, sulfury, medicinal, or phenolic smoky characteristics are generally inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, So keep that in mind.
1: We still don't like those. Yeah.
0: We still don't (laughs) like those. uh, So keep them to a minimum. Yeah, so uh, our mouth
1: feel uh, it's going to vary with our base beer style. Mm-hmm. Shock, um, <laughs> but uh, it, do, it does note that significant astringent and phenolic smoke derived harshness is inappropriate.
2: Yeah,
1: for sure, because um, you can feel some of that in your mouth, on your cheeks, and mm-hmm. your tongue um, while you're while you're going. Yeah, uh, so they have some general comments uh, that uh, this style. Uh, is meant for competition for any beer that exists uh, or exhibits, um, smoke as a principal flavor and aroma characteristic other than, uh, the Bamberg style rock beer, mm-hmm. um, like a Beechwood smoked martin, uh, you know, which, uh, so that has its own style yeah. uh, category. So we're not talking about those, um, and, uh, is, any style of beer can be smoked. Uh, the goal is to reach a pleasant balance between the smoke character and the base beer style, which, uh, we should have started a little counter for every time we said balance Balance. Um, <laughs> <in> here <laughs> and enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'll cover a little bit of history. Uh, so the, the process of, uh, using, uh, smoked malts has been adapted, uh, buy craft brewers, you know, now, uh, too many styles and, uh, German brewers, uh, traditionally use smoked malts in uh, Bach, Dappelbach, Weiss um, Dunkels, Schwarzbier. Uh, you know, pretty much everything that you've heard of coming out of Germany that they have done something with smoked, uh, malt in it. So, um, but, uh, yeah, that, that Bamberg uh, Rauchbier, uh, which is um, kind of what people think of when they think of the traditional German smoked beer.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Now, do you think these other German beers were back in the time before they had indirect roasting of the malts, where they the smoke just inherently... Became part of the malt flavor because the smoke was in the same room as the the malt that they're you know trying to to roast. Is that where yeah, they I, they got? I suppose
1: the, that's possible. It just kind of picked up it picked it up naturally. uh yeah. just a byproduct of kilning the malt.
0: Yeah, because I, I mean I I think of uh, Hellas right. I, I wouldn't think of Hellas would be a, a typical smoked beer or pills would be a typical smoked beer. Especially talking about German style where they're really. You know, sensitive about maintaining their beer purity laws, so you would think that uh, they would have. Well, I don't
1: think a smoked malt would be against, uh, like the Reinheitsgebot because nah, it's still that's malt. That's true, it's right? still the
0: malt. Yeah, I was thinking in far as characteristics as taste, but you're right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't violate that, but um, I don't know. I, I think a Schwarz beer with a little smoke, fantastic. Dunkel, same thing. Doppelbach? Uh, maybe with the Bach and Doppelbach, I, I think I've had some, a little bit of smoke in, in, a, in some certain beers. I won't say that, you know, those are my preferred ways of having those beers, but definitely the Swartz beer, I could see with a little bit of a, a hint of smoke would be fantastic. I can do Dunkel as well. Yeah. and Dunkel too. Yeah. I think those two yeah. would be good. All right, so let's talk about some characteristic ingredients that you're gonna find in a smoked beer. So different materials used to smoke the malt result in a unique flavor and aroma characteristics, such as the beechwood, which were you know famous beechwood, you know, beechwood for Budweiser right? I don't know if they smoked it, but they just put the beechwood barrels. But beechwood smoked or other hardwood such as oak and maple, uh, mesquite, alder, pecan. Apple, I've, I've had apple and, cher- and cherry, and other fruit woods. Uh, these are the smoked malts that you should be using for adding flavor into your beer. They say uh, that various woods may remind one of certain smoked products that, due to their food association, such as hickory goes well with smoked meats like ribs, and maple, maple wood would go great with some bacon or sausage, and of course alder with some salmon. But there is one type of wood they say you should not ever use. And guess what that is? That is the evergreen wood. (laughs) Uh, They say that evergreen wood should never be used since it adds a medicinal, piney flavor to the malt. Uh, That's a good point. You know, I I don't want to. One thing that I dislike in my beer is any kind of medicinal flavor, it will turn me off right away. You know, there's something that should never be there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so don't use evergreen for sure. Um, Also noticeable, noticeable peat smoked malt is universally undesirable due to its sharp piercing phenolics and dirt like earthiness. There we go. So Jason, you're right. Peat malt smoked (laughs) is not the best. It's You know, it gives you some off flavors, and it shouldn't be used in your normal smoked beers. All right, John, what are some vital statistics? I know this is uh, everyone's waiting for this. It varies with the base beer style. (laughs) Again, it's based on the Uh, base style.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, as a note, when you when you do enter into a category like this in a homebrew competition, you have to declare, you know, what your base beer style is, and you have the opportunity to give, you know, information about you know, what, uh, what the beer should be, you know, when the judges taste it. So, um, that's how they, you know, get that information and know what to expect, uh, when they crack
0: open your bottle.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause they got, they got to judge if you're judging it, right. They're judging the base and the smoke together. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so some commercial examples, uh, the Alaskan smoked porter, uh, which reminds me we should do a tasting of that.
0: Yeah, on the show. That would be great.
1: Uh, the Schlenkerla Weizen Rauchbier and Erbach Rauchbier. Uh Lager beer, uh Weiss-Bier and Bachbier. Uh <laughs> stone smoked porter.
0: Yeah. Rounded out. Wow. That that was a great accent you had on those uh, those German beers, by the way. Thanks. I, I fell for it completely. I was entranced that I was in Germany when you were talking.
1: You know, I took some German uh, in college, (laughs) so it works out.
0: Well, you know what? Hey, the college wasn't a big waste of your time because it it paid off. Thanks. I'll let my (laughs) my
1: parents know that those two quarters of uh, German are what validated it all.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, of these beers, I've only had two. I've had, the, of course, the Alaskan Smoked Porter and the Stone Smoked Porter. Have you had any other uh, examples, John? Um,
1: I want to say I've got to taste some of the uh, uh, Schlenkerla. Um, one of those mm-hmm. uh, during my BJCP class, but I okay. might be mixing it up with a different um, German one. Okay, so.
0: no problem. No problem. Well. That is the style guidelines, and now that we understand what a smoked beer is supposed to be like, let's do a tasting of one. Right, John? Yeah. So you you have your bottle uh, all ready to go? I do. All right, let's pop those suckers open. Oh, man, not much of a pop. We've got a lot of glass uh, clinking there, but let's hope this thing's not... Uh, Oh yeah, it's pouring. I'm pouring into a snifter glass. I had to. I wanted to make sure I had the the proper glassware. I know John's doing his his old standard Willie Becker glass, but I'm going all out here. I'm looking around the room for the cameras right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: I can see you. I can see what yeah. you're doing. So, uh, I do have a question before you give into get the into the particulars of the beer. Sure. Uh. What year is your smoked porter? 2015. Okay. Is yours the same? Mine's the same. But I was curious if, you know, uh, we were going to have different ones because I just noticed that it was 2015.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it says the bottle date was 10-5-15 at 9-21 at, uh, p.m.
1: Okay, so mine's a, a month older than yours. <laughs> so a month I'm, older. September 8th of 2015
0: at 8.28 p.m. Okay. So, So, um, I mean, one of the nice things about this smoked porter is it's one of the best beers to seller. Um, As you can tell, this was just released this year. I mean, I just bought it off the store just last week, and it's a 2015 version. So, I mean, this sucker has already been aged for a year, uh, a year and four months and we're going to try it for the first time right now so uh, this is a great cellar beer i'm i'm you know as i've mentioned in previous episodes i'm trying to reduce my cellar i'm trying to drink things more fresh and not keep things and have to try to drink them so i'm still working on it i've got I don't know. I think I had twenty some beers that I was celebrating, and now I'm down to maybe five, six beers left. I've really cut that down a lot. Um, I'm glad you're not in charge of my fridge because I'd be out. <laughs> You'd be out. Yeah. So all right, John. So uh, this uh, and our listeners, this beer that we are drinking, the name of it is the Smoked Porter, and as John pointed out, uh, the the date on this is 2015 Smoked Porter. And it's from Alaskan Brewing. And they're out of Juneau, Alaska. And the style is the smoked beer style. And alcohol by volume, 6.5%. And the international bittering units, uh, 45. Pretty low. I think it's pretty low because the smoke is going to add a little bit more bitterness. What do you think, John? You think it's going to bitter that up a little bit, or give you a, a Hon- sense of bitterness?
1: Honestly, I thought that number was a little high. Oh, really? For, what the? Yeah. Okay. For what the base beer is, yeah.
0: For High for a porter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Although,
1: 6.5% porter, I guess it's creeping up there. You need to add a little bit more in. Maybe, it, maybe. For it. But
0: Okay. And it uh, it comes in 22-ounce bottles, and I, I suppose you might be able to get it on tap. Although, oh, you know what? They do have it on tap because uh, one of the guys that I went to dinner with tonight, uh, he went, he was, before he came to dinner, he went to the bar across the street, and he had this on tap at the bar. So, yeah, it comes on tap, too. So you have a, a, a couple ways of getting it. All right, John, um, let's go ahead and describe the color of this beer. And to me, it looks like a deep brown, maybe with a little bit of uh, of red uh, tint to it, maybe some mahogany. I'll go with the mahogany. What about you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, definitely dark brown. Um yeah, and I've got kind of an orange orangishy. Yeah,
0: copper. yeah. Your orange um, is my red. I, I'm gonna say reddish. No, but. coming through. Which <laughs> you know, we need to standardize our, our lighting. Yeah. <laughs> we, you, you know, what I need to stand. You're right. Uh, and I'm actually thinking about working on getting some better lighting in this room because I need it for my beer tasting because I can't I can't judge beers with this poor lighting. Um, and also, you know what? We we need some SRM. Uh, you know cards to actually be able to tell what the, mm. the color are. Those. do you <laughs> yeah uh okay two lasers
1: stand up and walk five feet ah no
0: problem no problem <laughs> um i I can't see any bu- I can't see any bubbles coming up um I'm gonna say that it looks to be pretty clear, but i it's hard to tell it's kind of dark it's dark brown so it's hard to see if it's clear or not. When, yeah. you have anything different? Can you tell anything no. different? Okay. No, I can't. All right. How about your head and uh, any lacing that you're experiencing? Uh, So mine poured with
1: about a finger's worth mm-hmm. of a tan head, uh, and then that's fallen down now, uh, just some bubbles laying across the surface. But there is a bit of lacing on part of the side of the glass where the head used to be. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, uh, same thing. Same thing. I had about a one-finger head, uh definitely tan a darker tan and uh, yeah it died down pretty quick uh i do get a little lacing as i swirled around um but i'll tell you what the lacing's not really like sticking hard yet i haven't of course we haven't drank any yet maybe once i i start to suck this thing down um we'll be able to see the lacing stick to that side of that glass a little bit better but all right let's take a whiff and uh, tell our listeners what we're smelling
1: yeah, mostly smoke. Um, well, pretty much all smoke, but I kind of get uh, a little bit of that bacon character because it almost comes across <laughs> a little
0: smoky with a little saltiness. Um, I, I agree. For me. You know what? The salt, I, I don't get the bacon, but I do get the smokiness with the salt, which is the key. I do get the smoky salt. Um, yeah,
1: I think the salt is what's making me make that association. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah it's for that i'll tell you what um the smoke flavor is not off-putting though it's it's not uh, aggressive it's it's pleasant that's what i think uh is nice about this is that it uh, it doesn't come across too like like you're like you're sniffing an ashtray or a campfire or you know something like that it's it's very kind of mellow but yeah it's it's all smoke and it does have a sense of salinity in it some kind of a saltiness yeah, I'm not picking up
1: any other kind of malt character or any hops or any yeast character. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Alright, should we take a sip? Or did you already do it? Did you already sip this thing? No. I've oh, been yelled at in the past. Okay, for that. let's let's <laughs> sip because I'm 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 dying to try this thing. I'm
1: hmm, Very happy. Like a juicy tropical oh, sorry.
0: No. Wrong wrong beer. Um hmm. Okay. Now this is <laughs> this is funny. Because although i you know you associate with bacon with the saltiness, I associate the taste with the bacon, and I don't know if it's because like a maple like a, i don't know what the wood they use to smoke this, but i I sense uh like a bacony maple bacony uh smoky flavor, but what do you what do you taste?
1: yeah uh you know again, very you know the smoke is prominent um but in the flavor I am picking up, yeah a bit of a sweetness um kind of in the finish um that I'm kinda having a hard time pinning down exactly
0: what it is so far mm-hmm it is it isn't you're right i I do get a little sweetness in there, which is which is nice, and maybe that's where I'm also picking up some of that bacon character. Is that, and again, I I, I labeled it as maple. For some reason, I'm getting a maple syrupy or maple bacony maple yeah. smokiness to it, and maybe yeah, that's the that sweetness, sweetness would
1: be contributing to that. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, there definitely is a, a bit of a roast malt character, mm-hmm. um, you know, apart from the that smokiness because that doesn't really give you. Uh, that otherwise every stout would be yeah. smoked beer yeah yeah um but there's definitely some of that character in there as well
0: um but it's very it's very easy to drink you know it is very easy it's not aggressive it it doesn't linger on forever I mean you get that initial smokiness um, the sweetness and a little bit of there's a little bit of bitterness in there but not aggressively bitter
1: yeah um, i'd say the the aroma is much more prominent in terms of smokiness mm-hmm. than the flavor which might just be due to the fact that there are other things at play there where the nose is just all smoke yeah yeah um, you know you're not picking up some of these other characters there yeah um but uh yeah it it tastes less smoky than it smells i'll say I agree. Um. I, I
0: agree. I I agree. I get, I mean, if you were to just take this beer on aroma alone, you'd think it was just a smoke bomb. But then you take in the sip and you get the smoke, but you get more than the smoke. You get a lot of flavors in there, which uh, makes it really enjoyable. And, ooh, excuse me, I got a belch here. It's uh, too much talking and drinking at the same time. But um, it also, uh, it comes across pretty smooth. I mean, there's no harsh flavors in there that kind of biting. There's no biting flavor that is uh, that, that turns you off. Now, keep in mind, uh, John and I also, w- while we were doing the brew bus segment, we had our bottles warming up. So this is, I think we got the bottles to the right drinking temp. I mean, really, this is uh, uh, just the right temperature, I think, for really enjoying this beer. It's not... Too cold, not too warm. It's just right. All right, John, anything else you want to talk about the, the front end? What, what about the body? The
1: body, I would say, is uh, – I'd say it's like a medium full. It's not quite, you know, real thick mm-hmm. like you'd associate with some porters or yeah. and most stouts. But uh, it's definitely uh, got a little bit of heft to it.
0: Yeah. Um, I I think the body – is uh is just right for a porter and i think that um that yeah i think it's a medium you know medium or full body um and the smokiness might add a little bit more uh i don't know chewy mouthfeel uh to it uh it gives it a little bit more more to it than than if it didn't if it's just a regular porter i think it would be a little bit thinner but I think the smoked uh, flavor in there gives it a little bit fuller body and, and more uh, fuller mouthfeel. You, you definitely, to me, it gives you a little bit better mouthfeel. I think it. Mm. If I was drinking this just as a porter alone, I might say, for my own taste, that the porter is a little thinner. But I think the smoke and the flavors in there brings out and makes it feel, uh, you know heavier, but more fuller than it would be if it was on its
1: own. Yeah, I do get a bit of a film that just kind of settles in my mouth, um, you know, when I take a drink of this.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with I that too. That. Yeah,
1: yeah, it just kind of sits on my tongue.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. There is a film that, that kind of coats your mouth and definitely sits on your tongue. I definitely taste it on the back of my tongue, so it, it kind of lingers a little bit there. Um, a little bit. Um, okay, how about the the finish? Now we just mentioned that we do get this coating on our mouth. Our tongue is kind of coated. It does linger on a little bit, but really it gives me that smoky flavor uh, throughout from the beginning through the mid to the end. Lingers on a little bit, but um, uh, you know what? It does kind of linger. I, I haven't taken a sip for Thirty seconds now, and it does linger on a little bit <laughs> a, after that. I was gonna say it kind of dies off, but that's honestly, a, it's still there. So it's it the most
1: you've gone since we started the tasting. Is Thirty yeah.
0: seconds. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I've almost. I, I just poured this twelve ounce. I have a big snifter glass, like a twelve ounce snifter glass, and I filled it all the way to the top. Um, literally, my twenty two ounce bottle has about maybe a quarter, maybe a third or quarter left. Uh, and I'm almost down to the end of the, my snifter. Um, I'm enjoy. I really am enjoying this smoked beer, and, but I wanted to give it a little rest because I was continually sipping it because I wanted to get the flavors. But I will say that the, the it does linger on. the uh, The smokiness is in there in my mouth, but it's not an aggressive smokiness. It's a pleasant, um, lighter uh, flavor. It's not aggressive uh, and i think it's balanced with the thing now i don't when i i don't know if if the porter flavor comes out enough in this one to to really say that you know i mean the style guidelines we said says hey you have to get the base beer flavor in there too um i don't know maybe some of the flavors that we're tasting is the base beer but i definitely get a lot of smoke Flavor that kind of dominates the beer for
1: me? Uh, well, it definitely dominates the aroma. Um, but, you know, some of that roast character, some of that
0: mm-hmm. sweetness,
1: you know, that's coming from the porter.
0: That's true. From, that's true.
1: Uh, so, you know, the aroma is one dimensional towards the smoke, but I think there's other things at play in the flavor that uh, kind of help give it some of that balance that you'd be looking for in yeah. a okay. competition setting. Okay,
0: so. I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's very enjoyable. What do you think about the finish? What d- does the smoke linger on, or the flavors linger on too much for you, or is it just enough? Um,
1: no, I, I don't think. I think mine. What for me, it wipes away, um, relatively cleanly, uh, considering what you're drinking. Yeah. Um. You know that I do have that film that just kind of coats a tongue, but that's more of a mouthfeel thing than a flavor thing for me. Okay, it's not uh, really sticking around in flavor-wise with that that film as much. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. For me, it's not the fla- The smoky character is not lingering in any way. That's uh, you know, detrimental or because it's really not there
0: much at all. Yeah. Um. So. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's pretty tasty. Okay, now is the moment of the truth where uh, we decide whether or not we would recommend this beer for anyone new to craft beer. So, John, do you think you would offer this beer to someone that's just getting into craft beer? No.
1: Okay. No, I don't think I would. Yeah. Um, mostly because you know, like I said. Smoke can be so polarizing, yeah. That I wouldn't want that to be the factor of why somebody doesn't want to stick with craft beer, um, you know. Uh, so I, I think I would I would avoid any smoked beer. It's not really not to this. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I I provide any smoke. Beer no, I agree.
0: Some, you know, I so. completely agree, John. I would not recommend a smoked beer, any smoked beer, to someone new to craft beer. Uh, the again, like you said, the the smoke flavoring is so polarizing you're either going to love it or hate it so if you did have someone new to craft beer that actually liked it it might be a rarity uh, you don't know who's going to enjoy that or not so i think i would stay away from it uh, introducing it to my new craft beer friends early on wait till they have a lot of beer under their belt and then uh, you know introduce them to them later on in their journey for sure okay some glassware um Honestly, I think you can enjoy this beer in any glassware, but I think you need to, for sure, put it in a glass so that it opens up, and you're actually getting, you know, you're not just trapping it in. If I think if I drink this out of a bottle, uh, the experience would be a lot different than, uh, it, you know, it, having it open up and and breathe a little bit. So any glass, I, I'm drinking it out of the snifter glass. I think it's uh, it works well in a snifter. John's drinking out of Willie Becker. I think it probably works well with that glass as well. Uh, you agree, John? Yeah.
1: You know, for recommending grassware, I think I might go two different ways with this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not a fan of smoke, a like big, a, 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 big a heavy mouth. smoke, <laughs> I would say go shake or pint yeah. something that doesn't concentrate that aroma. Cause yeah. you know, like we said, it is very prominent. Yeah. Um, if, if you're a big fan of smoke, go with something, you know, like the snifter, like a Willie Becker, something that'll direct that for you, um, a little more. Um, but you know, I, I wonder if you take away some of that aroma character. Um, if this is just a very pleasant light smoked beer for a lot of people, mmm yeah, Um you know, i I'm not sure because I don't I'm not doing that right now. Yeah,
0: but yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna try it. I'm just gonna pour it into my glass and enjoy it. I'm enjoying it as it is. Yeah, so, so let's just go with that. <laughs> All right, John. well, um we're still refining our new rating system. Yes, we have changed up the rating system., uh, John and I are still ironing out the kinks. I've got an introductory version right now where we have a couple ratings so uh, we're gonna start off with uh, with the low rating if you if we don't like it we're gonna call it skippable it means try it if you want but hey you're not really missing anything I doubt we'll have very many of those on the show but that's there just in case then we move up into the drinkable category this is any time that you you feel that you uh, need to throw down a few or you want something in your fridge to drink throughout the week that would be a drinkable And then moving up from there would be Worthy. This is, uh, hey, make an effort to try it. And Above Worthy is exceptional. This is the number one best thing. Put it on your bucket list. Uh, I think those are pretty good, but we'll, we'll refine it. We may change it as we go, but that's what I've picked for now. So John... Using... Yeah, and let us
1: know if you if you have any yeah uh, any suggestions because yeah. you, you you've heard us struggle with it in the past yeah uh, as we try to place things in that don't really fit
0: <laughs> so I, but I think I think I've worked it out I've wordsmithed it enough that it fits all our categories that we've had <laughs> problems before will only time will tell time will yeah. tell.
1: Yeah, like right now, where I no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah. But no, I would think I'd put this in the worthy category. Okay. Make an effort to try it. Um, I don't think this is a beer that you know every craft beer, you know, like the a bucket list type beer. Um, but I definitely think it's worth trying. So I, agree. I would put it in the worthy category.
0: And I too would put it in the worthy category. And why would I put it in the Worthy category? The main reason is because if you're going to try smoked beer, oh, excuse me, I keep burping, this is the smoked beer to try. I think that if you're going to enjoy any smoked beer, the Alaskan Smoked Porter is one that you're going to enjoy. If you don't enjoy this beer, I find it hard to believe that you will enjoy many smoked beers. So, this is worthy in my in my category just because of the you know it, it's it's one of the best and it's actually uh you know it, it's one of the the guideline beers in the the BJCP guidelines that this is this is a beer you should drink if you want to try this style so i also put it worthy make an effort to try it all right well that is our Tasty notes segment but don't Don't leave too soon. We've got more great content coming right your way with a Check It Out segment. And uh, this is something that we're going to talk about that kind of caught me by surprise. And uh, I really wanted to let everyone know about it because uh, this thing is a uh, short-lived opportunity for you. So get in quick or you're going to miss out until it goes live in production. But this is the Growler Chill and it's a, a Kickstarter, and it says that the whole the whole uh, uh, line here is it keeps three growlers cold, fresh, and on tap at home. And this is a Kickstarter going on right now through the end of the month, February 28th. It ends, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and and let you know in general what this what this unit is. It's a, a countertop unit that holds three 64 ounce Growlers, no, yeah, sixty-four ounce growlers, and uh, it keeps them cold, chilled. It keeps them pressurized with CO two, and it has. Uh, I guess that's it, right? And it and it uh, it allows you to purge out oxygen out of the the uh, growler so that it lasts uh, a long time. And they're selling these things for well, if you got the early bird discount, it was three hundred and forty bucks. Uh, if you got in shortly after, it was like 360 I think. They're continually keeping about a $360 price range. Uh, if you buy it when it's out in retail, the retail-going price, I think, is going to be $420. Uh, it's a lot of money, but it is a very interesting product that has had me on the verge of hitting the fun button at least 12 times in the last week that I've been hovering over this unit and just last week we had it or last uh, show we had uh, an article saying the growlers dead and this right here could renew my growler love if I had this countertop device that held three growlers kept them fresh and charged and chilled for weeks after I buy it where I can enjoy th- different varieties of beers from my local breweries, um, this really can make me happy. And, uh, I, I'm, again, I'm on the verge of, of buying. The only problem is I just spent $500 on a snowblower, and I don't know if I can really afford to spend another $400 bucks on a growler chill unit so john but i should need something
1: to come in you know and pour a beer from when you're done with your using your snowblower i
0: know i know um it sounds like a great unit i have actually my manager at work i told him about it during lunch and he went out his birthday is coming up and his wife is buying him one for his birthday i've convinced people around in my work to buy them uh, I'm trying to get work to buy one for the office, but they're not buying into it. it <laughs> I don't know why. But uh oh, I don't know. On? This is uh It looks like a fantastic unit to me. Now the price tag is a little bit steep. Um also the technology, I don't know, you know, I, I'm kind of on the on the the brink because I, I don't know if they can make it work, right? They can, you know, they're they're talking about Having these special caps you put on your glass growlers, you put it through this this uh, uh, section of the machine that's called the Virginator, and it actually purges out the oxygen in the growler and fills it with CO2. Now, the unit uses those food-grade CO2 cartridges that you can buy for, you know, you can buy like uh, 10 for 25 bucks or whatever on Amazon. And they say that it use it's good for up to uh, nine growlers, I think, so you can... F- you know, fill the whole thing up three times before you need to change out the the canister. Uh, it keeps it cold. Um, it, there's a, there's an app for your phone that you can know exact. You can program uh, what beer is in each slot, and it can k- tell you how much is left in it and uh, what the you can change the the uh, the CO2 percentage I think, and you can you can change things on it. It seems pretty cool, but I don't know if it's all going to work out. Uh, so I'm kind of I still have uh, 14 days to decide if I'm going to buy into this Kickstarter or not. So I want the listeners out there to go to our Facebook page where I have the link to the Kickstarter. Uh, leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Try to convince me that I need to buy this thing. Uh, if you guys can't do it, then maybe I'm not going to buy it. You know? So I want you guys to, to go out there and tell me why I need this machine so I can spend the money. John, what about you? I know that you have a full-size kegerator, so you don't need a growler chill. But do you think this unit is pretty cool? Um, yeah, it's interesting, and you know,
1: I, I mean, to be honest, I built my kegerator for not a lot more than what I could get one of these for. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, and it. uh as the same same three number three beers on tap, but a lot more of each one. Um, but you know this does provide variety. Yeah, uh, keeps things fresh. You know, you, you this would be great, especially for somebody that you know wants to get things that they can only get at the tap room or something, yeah. bring it home. But yeah. uh, maybe their significant other doesn't like beer, so they'd mm. have to kill a growler themselves, and you know that's. Well, maybe fun in the moment, not always fun the next day.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. you, yeah. Especially when you get a big beer. You know, there's some beers that, for example, at uh, Brewers Haven, they have a really good $13 growler fill, but it's $13 for whatever beer they have on tap. So, guess what? Like when I was talking about the Almanac Barbary Coast Imperial Stout the other day, the last episode, um, that beer. is... Was thirteen dollars fill a growler, uh, to buy a sixteen ounce can of it, six bucks. So you have, you know, you basically have four uh, beers in that one growler for thirteen bucks, or you can buy two beers for, you know, twelve dollars. It's a no-brainer, right? I would fill my growler with that, but now I don't have to drink that ten percent, whatever beer it was, ten and a half percent. I can now drink it over a number of days. I don't have to drink it all in one sitting because I don't want to drink that heavy beer in one night. Uh, that's where the benefit comes in. If you can get some cheap offerings of beer that you can't buy in other packaging and still enjoy it over a week or two weeks of a time frame, um, I like that option. Uh, and That's why I would buy it is that I'd be able to bring home stuff that I can only get at the brewery and enjoy it at home because they don't package it any other way. So that that's where the benefit. Now, disadvantage, I I honestly do not have counter space for this unit. I don't know where I'd put it. I'd have to put it in my office, and then I'd have to walk upstairs and downstairs every time I wanted to grab a beer, and I don't know if that works. So that's I can't thing. tell you, walking downstairs has never stopped me from getting a beer. <laughs> cause that's where all, all my beer is. That's true. So, that's true. That, I mean, the, the, your, uh, your will is there. Okay, all right. Well, again, I want the listeners to figure out if they're interested in this unit and convince me to buy one because I will buy one. I just need some some coaxing into it, and that's it. All right, John, that's enough of the Growler Chill. We'll have a link on our show notes, and that that can be found at openforumradio.com. Just visit our page there for the show, click the link, and go check out this Growler Chill unit. All right, we also have an article, and this article is called Bombers Away, Why Brewers Are Abandoning Big Bottles. And this article is posted on draftmag.com, and again, Zach Fowle is the guy who wrote it. And uh, let me just go over in general what this article is about. John, I'm going to start it off. You go ahead and jump in here uh, in a little bit and let's, We'll share the uh, the wealth of the, the content. So Firestone Walker Brewing Company announced that every beer in the brewery's Vintage Reserve line, which is a group that includes the beloved barrel-aged beers like Parabola, Sukaba, uh, and Velvet Merkin, will move out of the 22-ounce bottle or bomber bottles and uh, will only be offered in the 12-ounce format. So they're... These bottles are normal, or beers are normally released in 22 ounce bottles for a hefty price. Um, they're going to only offer them now in smaller bottles, almost half the size, for also a hefty price. <laughs> so um, it says many of the country's mid sized breweries are increasingly choosing to shrink the bottles of their high gravity beers into more manageable formats. And they gave some examples here. So one of them is, of course, Laguanitas. And we've mentioned this beer a couple times last episode and this episode and previous episodes before that. They're shifting their high Wessified Imperial coffee stout from a twenty-two ounce bottle to a twelve ounce six packs. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't see that one in Six Pack, but I, I've seen I them saw yeah. the bombers. I didn't see them in Six Packs either. I was looking for you know single t- twelve ounce bottles to try. Um, I have seen people log into the six pack. Uh, the 12 ounce bottles untapped. So, at certain regions of the country, they are releasing these bottles. Um, I, I'm okay with that. I don't know if I really want to drink a 12 or, or a six pack of it, um, but definitely a 22 ounce bomber in one sitting might be a little much for one person. If you're sharing it with another person, no problem, but by yourself, uh, yeah, 12 ounces is more manageable. I think 22 might be a little bit big for that beer, so uh, I kind of applaud them offering smaller uh, sample sizes for that. Uh, it also says in 2015, the New York Brewery Southern Tier made three of its most popular ales, the Pumpkin, the Chocolate, and the Unearthly IPA, available in four packs of 12-ounce bottles, as well as their usual Bombers, and they also made their popular creme brulee stout uh, in 12 ounce bottles the following year. So now I've had all three of those beers in 22 ounce bottles. Um, you know what? I like those beers in 22 ounce bottles. In fact, all of them are good beers in that that size. Um, but uh, you know, having some 12 ounce offerings in four bottle packs is not bad either. I I think that's a good move.
1: Yeah, and I, I'll say I've seen a lot of the four packs, uh, a lot more of those hitting the shelves than than the, the standard six packs. Yeah, um, for the twelve ounce bottles. Okay. You know, especially as you know, prices rise in some areas, and for some styles, you know, uh, they're they're coming and hitting the shelf at the same price as the six pack, but uh, it's only four. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so and uh, Avery Brewing added 12 ounce cans of its Maharaja uh, double IPA and the Reverend uh, Quad, uh, both usually 22 ounce bottles. Um, So they're doing 12 ounce cans of those, adding those to the packaging lineup this fall. And uh, last September, uh, Odell Brewing released Jolly Pump or the Jolly Russian Rum Aged Imperial Stout. Uh, Which not only marked uh, the brewery's first new 12 ounce bottle release in more than a decade, but wow. was the first time it had ever packaged a barrel aged beer in anything other than a, than 25 ounce bottles or kegs. That's true.
0: That's so. true. That now that is a beer that I've seen all over town in that small 12 ounce bottle for 12 bucks. Um. I'd hate to know if they put that in a twenty-five ounce bottle. What that would cost? If the twelve ounce bottle is twelve bucks, Uh or not. It's yeah. <laughs> um, that's the key, right? I, I haven't even. I wanted to pick that up, but I didn't want to pay eleven dollars or whatever for that twelve ounce bottle. It's. I mean, I'm sure it's a great beer, but I don't know if it's worth that much money for that small bottle and you're not going to buy that in a four round, uh, a four pack i mean i think they sell it in four packs but that's a single bottle purchase if you're going to spend 11 bucks on a beer um a little bit crazy a bit crazy all right so the main question is why are so many brewers downsizing their most popular beers well guess what we have some answers for you first off availability many of the breweries choosing to switch to small smaller formats are producing beer at capacity. For beers in high demand, the smaller package size is one way to ensure that more bottles get out to more places and people. And you know what? That makes complete sense to me. Well, <laughs> it makes sense
1: in a world that the brewers control who can buy what. <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense in a world that the same people that would go and buy a case of the 22-ounce bombers True. To, you know, have a whole bunch, they're just going to go buy a whole bunch of the single, I, you know, I, I don't know that this really solves an availability problem. Um, unless you st- are selling a lot of it through your brewery and you still have a one bottle per person type yeah. thing going on. And then sure you're getting out, you know, not quite double, but you know, close to double the amount of, uh, bottles out there. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're, Ship your beer all over town. You know, all those retailers aren't necessarily going to put limits on it because they may just want to get it out the door.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, but what if, like Firestone Walker, what if they say, you know, I'm using small numbers as an example, but we can release a hundred 22 uh, ounce bottles of uh, Parabola, uh, but now we're putting them in 12 in ounce bottles and now we can release 200 bottles of it i mean that you know that doubles the amount out there now you're right yeah the price is still coming down though so
1: i'm now gonna buy two 12 ounce (laughs) bottles if i wanted that amount of beer
0: okay you know okay so it's it's all the people that are doing all the beer trading that's making it tough on us
1: yes uh which i i have a beer that i talk about next time um which i did taste already but i'm waiting to taste it with some other people but uh, Brewery in Covington, Kentucky, uh, did a collaboration, uh, with Grater's ice cream for their, uh, black raspberry chocolate chip ice cream, okay. uh, which is a fantastic ice cream. Uh, it's my wife's favorite. It's a whole bunch of people's favorites. So we have a bunch of friends out here, um, that are from Ohio and some specifically from Cincinnati that really wanted some of this. So I went and picked some up when I was back in Ohio uh, the brewery was sold out. The bartender said, "I called over to this other place. They said they had twenty cases this morning. I was at the brewery <laughs> at one o'clock. I went over to the the store. They had five cases left. Wow, I was the only person that bought less than three four packs. What I bought one. Every other person there was buying at least three. Wow, and there were people there talking about buying a case plus to sell second on the secondary market. I mean, this, this is what you're dealing with. I mean, just because you put it out in a smaller package doesn't mean more people are going to get it. Yeah. So, you know, the place had been open for three hours or two hours and was already almost out of the 20 cases because people were walking in and just picking up a whole case and walking out. And that was, $60 Sixty dollars to do that, so you know it's yeah I, that's you know i I just don't people are greedy they'll go out of their way to get what they want. I don't think it matters what package you put it in um, unless you control the supply at the brewery,
0: okay, all right, I'll buy that all right what about a second reason, John? Uh, yeah,
1: so going to a smaller package, like I mentioned earlier, you can get to <laughs> a, a smaller price. Um, so uh, it, changed, it increases the monetary accessibility. Um, so while some customers may have balked at paying $17 for a single bottle of beer, uh, which is the uh, standard price for the Firestone's 22-ounce vintage reserve bottles, uh, a smaller bottle at close to half the price might be more palatable. Um, so it's also just good business. Why sell twenty two ounces of beer at seventeen dollars? So you can sell twelve at for ten dollars. That's right. So they're making
0: more money. It's a money grab.
1: Yeah, and this you know I can see, but for people who are okay buying the the bomber size now, you have to retrain them to pay more per ounce that for a twelve ounce, which is exactly what you were talking about with yeah. the the other so
0: (laughs) all right well guess what uh the third reason is it reflects a change in the habits of the drinkers out there more and more big bottles are just not how customers want to drink their beer they want smaller sizes and i don't know it depends on what you're doing with the beer right if you're buying a big bottle of beer to share with your friends then it doesn't matter you want a bigger bottle to share with more friends but if you're buying it to drink on your own like I do I typically I mean I'll share with my friends but most of the big beers that I buy I'm still waiting for friends to come over to drink them with because every time I have someone over they're not in the mood for that sour or this or that or whatever so I'm um, in the mood yeah you're in the mood but come on over (laughs) <laughs> but i have other friends that like to drink beer but don't like to drink sour beers and i have a lot of sours right now so um so yeah i don't know if that really buy but for me if i could buy a smaller version of a beer a big beer that's 13% or you know or something like that i'll buy a smaller bottle of it because i'll be able to drink that in one sitting without feeling like i'm forcing myself to enjoy it because i just paid twenty five bucks for a bottle and I want to make sure I enjoy every last ounce even though I'm sucking it down and not really enjoying it. I'd rather enjoy well, the twelve ounces.
1: Yeah, and a good example of that is the almanac beers. Those are what, sixteen ounces? Yeah. I mean they're a little bigger than a twelve, but they're not a bomber. Yeah. Um so, you know, there's there's ways to do it. Yeah, I mean the for this, you know, for this reason, the, you know, The big, you know, beers like the Firestone Walker Vintage Series Mm -hmm. or Reserve Series, those are beers that I'm willing to spend more on because I know I'm going to share that experience with somebody. And, and, you know, that's never something I'm picking up thinking I'm going to drink this by myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, Now, you know, some of the other things like standard, you know, IPAs and, you know, other beers that are in these bigger bottles – yeah, those I, I wouldn't be sad to see them go. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of these bigger, you know, more complex things that are things that you'd want to maybe age and stuff like that. That's all stuff that I'm wanting to save and crack out for a special occasion with mm-hmm. friends and yeah. family and uh, I I like the bigger bottle format for that. Yeah. Um, you know, plus it, it it's nicer, like, hey, let's celebrate, and you pull out a big bottle that everyone's like, "Oh, cool, we can all try this." Rather than here's a you know, here's yeah, a twelve ounce, and I think I've got another one back here in the back there <laughs> somewhere
0: that I can, pull, you know,
1: I don't know, I yeah. I just I like the big bottle for that.
0: No, I agree. Um, I agree.
1: And uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know that I I reflect this change in habits because really, Kristen and I drink a lot of bombers anyway, just because it's something that we can split, yeah. and that's enough. You know, uh, even for those standard IPAs or whatever. Um, uh, so I, I, I guess I'm not the target of this uh, change or yeah. not the cause of this change.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, and you know that I drink a lot of bombers too. So I, I'm not a, a big proponent of this, uh, you know, downsizing. I can see with some of the bigger beers that, yeah, smaller size is okay, I, enjoy, I like the 22-ounce bottle because I can drink one 22-ounce bottle and feel satisfied a night uh, where if I have a 12-ounce bottle, I might want to have three instead of just one. So, you know, it, 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 it kind of – it allows me to enjoy a good beer with enough volume to uh, satisfy me for an evening. So I enjoy it too. All right, John. Well, guess what time it is. Uh, we are rolling towards the end of the show. But before we close this show out, uh, I know that there's got to be at least one or two people that you want to raise a glass to this episode.
1: Yeah, so uh, I've got to raise my glass to uh and Matt uh, over from the 40 cast, who I mentioned uh, recommended. A beer to me at mad tree and that's because he was there at mad tree with me oh no um, way <laughs> we uh actually were able to work out uh meeting up when he got off work and i was on my way back uh back north to columbus um so we uh met up for a couple of beers and uh at the at the new tap room there and um had a, had a good time so uh finally met him in person um we've I've been back to Ohio and even in Cincinnati before, but it just never really worked out. We've tried it once or twice, I think, but uh, either my trip in was too short and couldn't find something or, you know, anyway. Uh, But yeah, had a good time with him and, uh, you know, it was too bad that we, we could only do that. He was telling me, oh yeah, I'd love to take you here and here and, you know <laughs> sure it would have been awesome to go yeah. uh, go brewery hopping, but I had I had to get uh, back north so um, maybe next time.
0: Uh, well, you know what it's great that you got to spend time at Matt. I love Matt. Uh, you know I've spent time with them. We've spent a lot of time in the back of a uh, minivan driving from Ohio to DC. Uh, so <laughs> so yeah we've been we spent some time together and Matt's a great guy. Love drinking with him. He makes me laugh every week on the forty cast. So uh yeah, I'm glad you finally got to meet him and did he have anything good to say about me or did you guys just talk about you? He promised I wouldn't talk about that. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> I lo I love Matt. I love Matt. All right. Anyone else you wanna raise a glass to? Uh
1: yeah, my uh my little nephew, Teddy. Oh, Teddy? Um so, uh, yeah, my brother and his wife had their first child, so uh little little teddy, which uh my my boys are um loving seeing every picture that comes our way, and uh so they they like seeing their cousin, so well oh, good uh, look forward to getting them being able to meet him so. okay, okay, and this is your
0: little brother, right? Little yeah, so brothers? I
1: only have little brothers,
0: so you are the oldest. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, good. So this is the now are, is this the first uh are, is this your first nephew? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Well, congratulations. I'll raise my glass of Teddy and I'll raise my glass of DV Mr. Matt because I love I love Matt and hey, I'm all for more little reams running around out there. You got to keep the reams going.
1: So, That's right. Uh, yeah, know. Keep the name strong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, I'm also, I'm going to raise my glass to my son. Today is his 26th birthday, and I just want to raise my glass to Zach, and uh, happy birthday, son. Love you, and I hope you have a great day, and uh, cheers to you. Yes, happy birthday. Yeah, and of course, uh, I want to raise my glass to all of our listeners out there, especially all the new listeners. I really appreciate all the interactions that you've provided over the last couple weeks and over the last two and a half years that John and I have been doing this. Uh, It's what keeps us going. It's what keeps me going. I know we talk about, uh, you know, listener interaction every week, but I hope that all of our listeners that interact with us see that we really do care about you and we love interacting uh, with, with you guys. So cheers to all of our great listeners out there. Absolutely. All right. And of course, uh, you know, I know you guys are probably getting sick of hearing about it, but, uh, you know, I was a former serviceman. And because I was uh, out there serving our great nation, I just want to raise my glass to all the servicemen and women out there who are protecting our freedoms, allowing John and I to speak our minds on craft beer. But uh, cheers to you guys. Come home safely to your families soon. And, of course, you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on our show on the show notes. Yes, we have detailed show notes located on the openforumradio.com webpage. So go visit, and you can click the links and see the articles and find the beers that we chat about. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be followed on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at loose screw and John, how can our listeners follow you?
1: Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime WA, and I've heard rumors that there's a uh, homebrewing blog out there at homebrewengineer com. Okay, yeah, make might it, just be rumors. I don't know.
0: Make it real, make it happen. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it is last call, and it's time to bring our show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show, and we ask you to please, hey. Tell a friend about Tap the Craft. And, of course, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play. And now, yes, we're on another podcasting app, Podbean. So if you're into Podbean, I can't even say it, Podbean, uh, download us. Find us on Podbean and and, uh, subscribe uh, or however you listen to this show. We want you to listen. And as a reminder, we listen to the show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. I think I'm feeling pretty damn wasted. <laughs>
1: Um, my speech is actually starting to go a little bit. I'm sure you've noticed here towards the end. Uh, I,
0: I don't notice, John. <laughs> you are always a professional. Uh, I was slurring before we even started, so I knew that by the time we got to the end, I would be hurting. Oh, well, I've noticed a little bit.
1: So <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're gonna,
1: just going to have to start over. And redo it all.
0: Okay, well, hopefully we don't have to start <laughs> over. I don't think I'll make it. It's already uh, past 11 o'clock here, so it ain't going to work.
1: Mentioned on the show, so you're in Nevada, Bigfoot, Barley Wine. Nope, I'll fix that for you.
0: <laughs> Where was that at? Oh, I already put it down here. Oh, yeah, I you're did.
1: already prepping your show notes. Oh, I
0: yeah, I try to uh, I try to be good that way. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Damn, that was fantastic. Well,
1: I uh, I mean, I I pretty much put this entire episode together, so I might as well
0: continue with the show notes. I I actually put two shows together, but we only talked about one. (laughs) I got one ready for us when we're ready for it.